Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Brand new Avengers Endgame trailer this week. I like this one. James Gunn is back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after doing Suicide Squad 2. We are getting our cake. We are eating it, too. That's the whole theme of today. Uh, And I hear we're going to be talking to some amazing folks from a deadly class. It is a very deadly class that they are a part of. And we are joined by a very deadly man. How you doing, man? Hey. Hey. Please welcome Matthew Wadiway to Collider Heroes. Back to Collider Heroes? No, no. First time. First time Collider Heroes. baby. Yeah. Dude, the only guy that makes me feel like I don't work out enough is a nerd. Iffy. <laughs> Deadly iffy, because, oh, man, I like every time we talk Goku, I'm like, okay, yeah, over 9,000, making moves. Yeah, you, there's always another form. There's another you have bar. To find it, yeah. We find out every season. <laughs> <Rush> through. <laughs> so this week is a crazy week in news, and we're so glad you can finally join us. We've been figuring out yeah. the schedule, and the week worked out because, Ooh. dude, so much news. Oh, so much. I was so glad when, uh, I think, when all this news came up, people were like, oh, it's going to be a crazy Collider Heroes, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> How about that? That's yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Wait till you see it. <laughs> so Avengers Endgame trailer. Like, we should kick off there because yeah. I've been yeah. twitching. Because that came out of nowhere last yeah. Thursday. Oh, we had yeah. done our show so Wednesday, good. then suddenly, hey, here we are. Yeah. Your oh. first thoughts. Well, it was, per- I think, just like y'all said, it was perfect. It was everything I need to see. Someone even was like, we don't need another trailer. And I agree. We don't need another trailer. It gave me all the stuff I need to be hyped about. I don't need any information past this. It took us for the ride, our journey up until this point. So let's get in there and let's see what happens. Sing it with us. <laughs> we don't need another trailer. <laughs> <laughs> just go. I, I, that was very much my feeling is that, like, we did get some really exciting new pieces in this, but like I am at that level, I'm like I'm ready, I love that they made most of this trailer just like, hey, remember these guys? The Avengers? Like that was, that it is a culmination and that therefore like they're letting us be in suspense about what we're going to spend most of the time doing in this movie, what we're going to spend most of our focus on, they're letting that all Uh, although I did love that they they, we got, like the first trailers for this movie focused on the original six and Mm -hmm. I totally get that, but I like that in this one like we get a little more Ant-Man, we get a nice shot of Okoye, uh, which is sort of them being like, we know who you care about we're not (laughs) forget, like, they had that that poster re-release where they're like, oh, we we messed up, hold on yeah, Uh, and and of course, one brand new to the Avengers side of thing edition in this trailer, which was a certain Carol Davers. 
And Carol Danvers' moment at the end is a great button tying into the button at the end of the movie, which is great timing. The movie just oh, came yeah. out, and they're like, by the way, we know you like this new girl because it made almost a billion dollars already, and here she is. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that the trailer did, it, it felt like they read the comments, right? Like, whenever Marvel does a press release right, I'm always like, are they are they reading message boards? Because it's really smart. We, yeah, Kevin Feige's just one of us, so he thinks like one of us, but we kept saying how we'd love a trailer that was just old footage. Mm-hmm. I remember from the beginning when they announced Endgame, I'm like, give me nothing new, give me just old footage. Yeah. This trailer was having your cake and eating it too because it was half old footage half new footage but not a bit of that new footage gave anything away except i mean some outfits some 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 outfit changes which you know we've all been reading comics for a long time you know (laughs) it gets serious when there's an outfit change when the iron spider popped out and we were like oh this is serious (laughs) and a group outfit change is even more serious oh when everyone's got to change up you're like oh no this is okay yeah and i think those are quantum suits like i think they're going in the quantum realm it's a good theory because why else would they all need containment suits why else would they all mount up in that way and also is that the moment where we finally hear cap say it because if cap says avengers assemble in united suits and we finally see them fully teamed up to go to the quantum realm that like i can just oh i feel it now <laughs> oh man. it's weird because matching outfits are not a signature part of avengers but as yeah. you say the big like new outfit for new challenge is one of those great like classic superhero visual cues that yeah. sort of, like we're in it we're in a new thing now uh so I, I i personally love that i also love the red in the black and white oh, i yeah. really like the visual because it was so powerful that it made you look at details you hadn't seen in the footage you've probably seen 10 or 15 times yeah watching these movies and then the new footage you can also see how broken the the new versions are like the the positivity to the darkness and the evolution of the characters and we also have seen now three different hairstyles for scarlett johansson now normally (laughs) hair news is something that i leave for tmz but in this case i think hairstyles we see hair color change because of growing out. We see that's going to be time passing. Oh, yeah. We also see with Carol Danvers coming back, her hair is very different from her I being have a lot of, and, Okay, so I'm, I'm reserving judgment till we see the movie. I'm very curious about her, like, evening out look, which is a departure from uh, the makeup styling. And this is one of those things that it, it, it is legitimately fascinating to me because it's, it's an area of, like, costume design, as we've often talked about, is an art. Mm-hmm. The message that you're sending with the choices that you make. Uh, hair and makeup and costume are all elements of storytelling and they reflect real world things to the extent that you're always choosing within these larger systems of like, if you choose this, then that. If you choose that, then it means something else. Um, And you always want to make choices that reflect what the character, where they are in their journey, as well as like there's, you know, balanced against the fact that like, you know, all of them are wearing makeup because you're shining lights at them and you want them to look beautiful. (laughs) Like there's a... There's an interesting balance there, and so I will admit to being momentarily thrown by the quite different look, which is there is nothing wrong with wearing makeup, but it is interesting to be like, okay, what has Carol been up to, and when did she brush up on the eyeliner skills? Like, um, <laughs> and, and, but those are those are exciting questions for me. That not that I think they'll spend time on in the movie, but that I. You always hope that it has been thought out in a really satisfying the implication way. But it's Marvel, of the makeup so it usually versus, has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The details in this are going to be insane, and we're gonna we're gonna be so surprised by what we assumed this was. Like, oh, yeah. I've had a theory from the beginning. I've assumed there's interdimensional realities here. I assume that Cap with the beard and Cap clean shaven might be two different Caps, and oh, I wow. think we sacrificed some people by going to a new dimension, and we did lose Tom Holland as Peter Parker in this universe. We did lose T'Challa. I think that the, the T'Challa we get going forward in Black Panther two and Doctor Strange, all those are different dimension Spider Man. Oh, yeah. I think Far no. From Home's 
an you invention. Can't. Why? What? I think that's no. what's coming. Yes. So no. I think the hairstyles are all for very telling. So I think it is an interesting commentary why the makeup's different, why the hair's different. Because I think these are new worlds. I think we're going 616 to 1610. I think everything's about to change. I think Phase 4 and beyond. I think there's a reason they're calling it Infinity Saga. I think once the saga is over, because you had that Empire article that just came out, I think once the saga over, we get a whole new Tell set people of people. about the Empire wow. article. You, you, so, so you think we're going to do the half uh, halfway through Season 1 of Rick and Morty, where it's like, <laughs> all right, we're out. <laughs> nope, those, the, they're dead. We're here. Let's go. Uh, it's a bold uh, choice. 22 I mean, movies. I, I, my theory with this, I think they're going to put a nice little bow on it, but I think we are going to lose Cap and Iron Man. I think they're going to die. And I think, you know, especially with uh, Feige saying that Captain Marvel is going to lead the future of the MCU, I think the MCU is going to shift to full cosmic. I think, and I feel like that's the one way to keep it fresh. We've been on Earth. We've seen all this. Let's do what the X-Men animated series did and shift cosmic. Stay out there. I mean, we already left some nice little breadcrumbs in the at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. We And, you know, now we have Captain Marvel. So, let's see, like, the cosmic Avengers. Let's go through their journey. That's going to be a lot more expensive. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> They've got it. Yeah. So, But, but that'll also let them vary it up so that the yes. new solo movies can be spotlighting areas and times and things that we haven't seen, uh, and they can still keep that variety. Oh, yeah. And if you look at comics reflecting what's coming, Black Panther's in space right now. All of the Black Panther book is in space, and he's actively a space you d- Wakandan you, leader. You don't want to go too nuts with the, like, look at what's happening in comics, because if you look at what's happening in comics, 10 million different contradictory oh, things totally. all the time. But, like, <laughs> but it is testing fun waters. to be like, maybe. And I think that what the, I personally think they're going to go cosmic for, like, 60%, and then more grounded for 40%. I think we're going to see the polarity be stronger. Yeah. I think there's a reason we're getting Spider-Man right after Avengers. I think we're going to see a lot of very friendly neighborhood, or in this case, international, but still Earthbound, <laughs> and then international by being space-bound with X-Men. I think X-Men Cosmic is what MCU might shape up to be. Yeah. So I totally agree, and it's a great character set, too. I think the X-Men might be our new Avengers. Yeah. I think the new team that gets formed might be space-bound, and they might be certain mutants we know. Or yeah. now that they've set up, like, a lot of the stuff that you need to make the Young Avengers. It's a, like, I used to joke about, like, maybe they would do that someday, <laughs> but now it's like, that's not impossible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we get, uh, you know, everyone has watched the trailer, I assume, if you're listening to this part. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting because while we are almost certainly looking at Hawkeye's family, Corey's making the bow hands right now because everybody kind of went, <gasps> dark haired girl with a bow. Like, now, it is important to know that Kate Bishop is not Clint's daughter, but mm-hmm. maybe MCU Kate is. Maybe yeah. I'll get used to that. Um, or maybe it's just a big uh, mislead, and that's really just about poor Hawkeye. I keep saying <laughs> we're not getting any story, but we all have some strong ideas based on these trailers of well, what we're about to see him go through. Favorite moment for you Ooh. in the trailer? Favorite moment, I think it's, it's just going to have to be those new suits rolling out because, like, when you saw, when I saw that, I knew I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's game time. It was just... I, like you said, seeing that old footage and just kind of remi- reminding us how far we've come. Like, j- just I was I was talking about this the other day. Just think of how long we've been watching these movies. Like yeah. Iron Man came out what two thousand seven, eight, yeah. ten years. Ten years we've been watching these movies. This 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 movie has lasted longer than my relationship with my wife. Uh, you know, <laughs> like so to see that kind of take us through memory lane and and just know that. It has all led to this and just seeing them walk out and knowing that those are the ones left. Yeah. And also that's when it dawned on me. It was like, oh yeah, those were the ones who made it were the original Avengers. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited to see what, what happens when they, when it all comes down. Highlight moment for you. 
Was there was there a, a, a highlight that just shines above the rest? Oh man, I I mean it is just a thrill seeing Carol in the room with them, uh, and I I have really enjoyed the way the internet goes like left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn. All of a sudden they took that exchange, they took uh, Carol and Thor in idea, and then they took who might Thor be thinking of, and they took like wild fan theories because we don't know much about MCU Carol sexuality, and that somehow that turned into people doing adorable fan art of Valkyrie and Carol Danvers going on dates. <laughs> and I was just like, thank you, Internet, for your yeah. like A, B, Z. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so my real favorite moment of this trailer was just the review of the history, just mm. reminding us that we've been building up all this time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just I can't wait. I'm ready to not know anything else and see this movie, please. I'm team no more footage. I've been yeah. team just the old footage. This one being a mix, I will take because that's, that's, that's yeah. what everyone wants. It's both sides of the camp. Uh, I think my favorite moment in the trailer was there's something so incredible about the way Jeremy Renner does a lot with little. There's something. He's such a talented actor. Like, the Hurt Locker is, is very quiet oh, yeah. in the movie. And, and there's, he holds space well. So the moment of him looking away into the middle distance juxtaposed with him and his daughter... I know I'm ready to be broken. Oh, and the moment that it looks like maybe it's Widow reaching out and taking his hand. Yeah. Like, I just, because you love these people and the yeah. way they relate to each other. And that's another part of the 10 years thing, is 11 years now, is that we we were different people 10 years ago. We have lived a decade with these characters. So to see them go through things, we feel for them in a very different way than any other franchise has been able to accomplish. So the sad moments really captured me because I know I'm going to be broken. So the endgame trailer being morose and broken and downtrodden really got me. So I love the middle distance stare of Hawkeye as sad as New answer, new answer. Uh, I love that they are grounding these trailers in Cap's narration because it reminds yeah. us of his leadership and it reminds us of the decision making. And oh, it, yeah. like, as much as these these movies have ended up weirdly centering, not it's not weird if you watch the movies. It's only weird if you come from the comics. But like, weirdly emotionally centering around Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that is going to be a, a huge part of this movie. Yeah. But the like, uh, but like. I love that they're just sort of Cap's leadership and this decision making that they're clearly going to embark about uh, embark on about like whether we live with this result or whether we do whatever it takes yeah. to uh, make it different. I mean, if we're talking about like liberties from the comic book, and there, I'm going to plus one a theory that was going because okay. we have Monica Rambeau, and the yes. theory is that she made those suits in the time skip. She made those. Uh, that, that's and I was like, that'd be fun, but I was like, look. I'm thinking Tony Stark would die. Monica Rambeau gets upgraded from the other Miss Marvel to Ironheart. But she's going to be full-time because of her mom's call sign. Well, that's what, they, I, that's, that's what I would think. But I'm thinking <laughs> Marvel's like, ah, we, we got this, she's older and we already have Miss Marvel. We don't want to confuse the fans. But Let's they make set her up Ironheart. the alternate code name. Yeah, I know. Okay, Listen. I might be with you because they did allude to her like building planes. So they built yeah, a version mm-hmm. of her could work. Um, I did. We didn't get to get into it that much last week. But um, spoilers for Captain Marvel, maybe? Um, if you want to throw that thing up, that would be appreciated. So there, there we go. Um, I love the setup they gave for Monica, who I adore in the comics. Uh, and that they basically promised us future Monica. <laughs> yeah. Like that yeah. whole scene of like, you're going to have to learn to glow. You know, if you know, then you were like vibrating out of your seat at that right. point. Uh, and but what I, I do like what you were you're saying would follow up on the like, I'll build a rocket to get there. And he's like, well, maybe and it's like, you don't know. He doesn't know. Like, we don't know what that future will be for her. Although I want it. I was expecting like, we'll get her in in whatever the next Captain Marvel yeah. movie is. But now that you've pointed that out, if they surprise us with grown up Monica in this movie, I'll weep. 
<laughs> like now, uh, the one thing it did give away for me was that Downey Jr. Jo- joins the team for the last fight. We all assumed it, but it was the first time we saw them all together. I'm not yeah. sure that's the last fight. I feel like that's starting the mission that changes everything, but I'm not Ooh. sure. Oh, I'm so, not sure. So I, I'm excited to see the Steve and him rekindle because Civil War was the last time we oh, saw yeah. them together. So that was an interesting beat for me in the trailer. But uh, we had to wrap up our end. We could talk about Endgame for an hour, oh, yeah. but I want to wrap it up talking about the Empire article that just came out. Kevin Feige said the snap had been planned for years and years. They knew that was the only way to end it. He referred to the 22 movie we have had so far, Pantheon of MCU, as the Infinity Saga, which I love dearly. And he talked about basically what the shape of the Marvel Universe is, and he kept referring to it as a finale. So everybody's going to die. Now, we also <laughs> found out this week that James Gunn is back in the MCU, he Which survived shows the, the snap. end is not wow. always the end. That's true. Because thank comics. you, I need hope I mean, right now. <laughs> that's that's uh, I I can't stop thinking and talking about the James Gunn thing because when you really think about it, at first you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. Uh, this sucks for him. I mean, look, I mean, I'm gonna just go sh- uh, straight up and just be- give my take on it. Is like I'm a comedian. You make dumb, wild stuff. Uh, I do think we need to be smart about deleting that old dumb, wild stuff because you can't <laughs> affect how people are gonna feel, and you're not. You can't accept. You can't expect people to just forget and just let stuff go, even though because that was what it was. Is even though he kind of apologized for it, people are seeing it for the first time, so they are reacting to it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you so go back, search every bad thing and your your handle on Twitter and delete it. Uh, <laughs> that being said, he came out on top of this because not only he did like like yeah Marvel gets him back, but if you look at it from James Gunn's perspective, this is the only way a director can get to direct both movies is yeah. because he can be like, well y'all fired me, so I still get to do this. So he's getting to do it or. There might be another announcement in a couple of weeks that uh, the Suicide Squad lost its director. I don't. Just got Idris Elba. I know. You don't walk exactly. away from Idris Elba. Exactly. But, no, I, walks away from but, but you know, we we know how these huge companies are like, and they're like, "Look, you could come back, and I'm gonna give you an extra stack." What are they paying you? You know, like that classic <laughs> mob thing. Whatever he's paying you, I'll pay you double. You know, but. I do like where this Suicide Squad is going. I like that it they it was recently announced that he's doing a full-on reboot. Mm. Uh, I think with Idris, it's kind of living up to its namesake with the 80s version and it's dark. The, the whole reason it's called the Suicide Squad. I do wonder, now that we know he has to do a different movie next, uh, I wonder if he just kills the whole Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm out. I'm it's, you gave yeah, me yeah. a movie called The Suicide Squad. What's, yeah, yeah. what's going to happen? I know. That would be dope. <laughs> Um, I, I'm very, so this was a wild piece of news. Uh, and then when you kind of go back and you notice that Kevin Feige just kept saying, oh, we're still using the script. We're still using that script. You kind of wonder, like, I wonder when exactly this decision happened and how long it has already been known to yeah. people involved. Um, and it is, it's an interesting one for me because, and, you know, ask me again in a few months, but, like, I have basically changed my mind from where I was. Last summer, I was very much in a place where I was like, I can really understand them doing this. Yeah. I can really understand, like, I mean, the, the things he said were, like, I, I get trauma. I get, like, yeah. the, 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 the environment he was coming out yeah. of. But I also have always hated this, like, we act like that's okay. And a lot of that stuff, like, is not okay. And yeah. he made those comments when he was a grown man. Not yeah. when he was 18. When he was fully a grown man. But the other thing that maybe has... I don't know whether it's just time that has changed my perspective or whatever, but, like, it's also he has handled this so classily 
so professionally, just giving the statement, being like, I basically understand why that had to happen. I have grown and changed. I have apologized for those things. The fact that the source of the digging up that information was a bad faith group of actors. Oh, yeah. uh, not actors, but people acting in bad yeah. faith. <laughs> um, actors. I mean, you can, if you go, because, uh, sorry to cut you off, yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you go from when he, because he just straight up stopped tweeting after his statement, but if you just watch just his tweets up until then, you're like, oh, I see the, the, the whole formula is there. You were, you were, you were, he was talking bad about these people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. who, uh, who, and they were like, okay, we got something for you. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was a revenge plot. Yeah. And people pointed that out at the time. It yeah. just, like, I, this sort of give it some time, get some perspective on yeah. it, whatever happened behind the scenes. I find myself on, weirdly, like, I well, was, I understood him, that, their decision last summer, and I was pretty, I was like, I, I get why this was necessary, and now I find myself being like, I'm happy he's coming back to do the third one. And I don't exactly know how I made that switch, but I did. Well, I think you, you can make that switch, and I I'm think it is. I'm trying to get ahead of being called out for this, because yeah. I'm going to be called out for yeah. this. Old footage replay. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I mean, but the, the fact of the matter is, you're allowed that. You're allowed to see the growth, because, you know, like, someone can be, you know, a Boy Scout, and then we've seen multiple people call out and then show their true color. So, so to see him like be like, no, I get it, peace, and and you know, time passed enough to where it's like, all right, come back. It's I can see where you're like, oh yeah, no, you you I can you have shown me in the way that you've responded to this that you aren't that person who did that. Are you saying we're allowed to evolve as people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like the plot of this movie I watched, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> where each of the characters realized that they worked better when they were good and united in a in a front to not be assholes anymore. What a great plot that would be for a series of films if directed by James Gunn. If somebody was making movies like that. So James Gunn is back. <laughs> yes. I love that this is a thoughts? redemption story. I love not only is it a redemption story, it's a redemption story set within the world of redemption stories. It's beautifully meta, which you might know is my thing. And I really appreciate the fact that James Gunn never said anything bad about Disney. I like that he never turned and got like huffy about it. Like sometimes directors, it gets aggressive. Oh, yeah. And also the fact that everyone of his family, his film family, united behind him. I love that Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, loudly, and like the rest of the team all signed and all were like no he's our guy and to me having 30 odd people that are from all walks of life defend you is more of a like about your character than a bunch of tweets from 10 years ago to yeah. me like Chris Pratt is a very Jesus-y guy and Dave Batista is a professional wrestler that is very loud about his beliefs these are guys that would not normally share a belief necessarily I don't know them personally but yeah. they're, they're on paper very different humans if those two people on paper are going to unite behind someone that person's probably pretty great so the fact that they all came together all of these different people and then the way Sean Gunn handled everything when he was in the press just being like hey it's a private matter or hey it's going to resolve itself the fact they but kept he wrote the script that beautiful statement about watching his brother evolve. It's, like, it's just everything was handled so beautifully that I will probably get some guff from this too because I think that you should be you know held accountable for your actions. But I also think that there is a redemption to things. If you're stuck in the decisions you made all those years ago, you don't have the chance to evolve. And that's kind of what life's about is seeing your wrongs and righting them. So to and me, there is also a, a, this as we pointed out. I think every time we talked about this, but it bears repeating that much as I and I fully hate some of the things he said. There is still a difference between saying, saying really dumb stuff and. And the way that other folks have hurt people. And I found, yeah. I think part of what brought me around is like seeing like 
lazy articles where people would throw up like, oh, these people got in trouble, and his face next to someone who like killed somebody, and you're like, okay, hold on. Yeah. And that, that was the tricky culture with the, this cancel culture of he tweeted some stuff versus Accountability is so important. But... And shades, and also like knowing what levels of wrong, and what he did was wrong, what he said was wrong, but he, he didn't actively hurt someone physically, or it, it's, it's a whole, it's a slippery it's slope of conversation. Complex, yeah. like life. Yeah, but... I, I just, I, I start, and when, whenever I just want to encapsul- encapsulate this conversation and keep it simple, is just just uh, we're in a weird place where nuance is kind of dead. You you only have like 240 characters to explain yourself and defend yourself. So it's hard to have these type of conversations. And so there's this belief that like you, you can't really have full well-rounded. Like, I mean, even with, you know, bouncing around stuff now, but like the Terry Crews of like once he got offline and had a one-to-one conversation with someone, he was able to stop being defensive and really mm-hmm. see where he went wrong. And I think that's the thing is like you can't read tone online and when you have just 50 million people tweeting at you and you're trying to respond to it that's why i think the best thing that he did was like apologize and log off yeah don't don't go and don't defend yourself don't fight because you know especially we as creatives we have so much pride that we feel like you know our name being sullied and we believe we're a good person we need to fight it but instead i think there is some truth to Letting people feel what they feel, give them the space and the time to heal, and give them the chance to forgive you instead of apologizing and expecting forgiveness immediately. I agree, and and I think that you're right. He handled it beautifully, and top to bottom. And Guardians was always his baby, so I'm excited. Just on the movie side, I'm excited to see Guardians three yeah. with his script, with his direction. He shaped a trilogy. I want to see the trilogy fulfilled. I'm very excited about this news. I'm also excited about a very certain show. It is called Deadly Class, and we got to <laughs> sit down with the cast of Deadly Class to talk about it right as the Finale's about to drop. Check it out. So we're here with two members of the Deadly Class and the showrunner of this amazing show. I am very excited. This is a show we've been yelling from the rooftops about. It is a very different comic book show. And I'm really excited to talk to people within the realm of this world because the tone of the show is one of the things I love most. When you guys first picked up as actors this punk rock 80s Hogwarts, what was that like painting the world in your actor minds reading these characters? It was fun. Yeah. When I first read the script, I only had the pilot. And I was obsessed. Because when when I did my first audition, I didn't get the full pilot script until the callback. So Mm -hmm. I only knew one scene about the character. But when I got the pilot, I was like, this is crazy. You know, and it was that, the way you described it, punk rock Hogwarts. And I thought to myself, how in the world are we going to make this happen? (laughs) The only thing I could imagine were the people. I, I did not know what everything would look like around them until I then read the comics. Then I thought, okay, this is about to be popping. Yeah. Yeah. And Willie is really bold in the comics. You play him really bold, especially in that pilot. you got to come out swinging because there's a twist at the end of that first episode that if you don't shape that character in the beginning, it doesn't quite land as much. So True. did you feel that reading the pilot? Like, were you surprised by Willie's twist? Oh, absolutely. Okay. The first scene that I had read before I read the pilot was the scene between Willie and Marcus in the car. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this dude is just crazy. This, this is a gangster. This dude is hard. Yeah. Like, he about to, he about to pop off at any second. He messing with this dude. Hard And then, gangster <laughs> cut. Gangster player. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, this dude, no. He's not like that at all. So, I was completely blindsided. I was like, man, I got to rethink everything I thought. But what was cool is, since the words were written so well, man, you just say them. And then, when you get the twist and all that stuff, you just say those two. Yeah. So, when everything is done excellently you just 
Sit in the cut and do your job. Right. Now, Marcus is kind of our eyeline into this world, and like he's saying, it's it's a broad world around you. When you're reading the script, how much visuals were you having? How how did you feel invested in the world around you? I, mean, I was reading the scripts along with like the comics. I was like, this is exactly the same. Because <laughs> I because like, I, I, it was the same. I think for me when um, I, I got the the full script during the callback during the callback, yeah. and so I that's when I started reading the comics. I was like, oh snap, they're actually they're doing it like exactly mm-hmm. like the comics. So. Yeah, I'm surprised. It's rare it's to have the visual aid for an actor. Yes, it's yes, very really cool. Rare. Look at the frames. They've already storyboarded. It mean, helped a lot, like with like figuring out Marcus' physicality and like how oh, how true. he thought. Now you have a lot of intense choreography throughout the season. You've got to like move. You both got to move. The show's not just a walk and talk, certainly. And there's a lot of action. How much did you guys actually get to play? Like using the storyboards as kind of your framework, using the physicality. Did you shape those in your mind as how the character would move when you're doing the script reading? Well, for me, playing a pacifist is pretty easy because <laughs> I usually am just standing there looking disapproving about everything, <laughs> you know? So During, during it, the pilot, we kind of tricked you because you were doing all that fight training. Oh, I loved like, it. You were like, all right, I'm really going <laughs> to do I this. I loved it. Yeah, and then you know, the, I thought maybe he would have some stuff, but nah. <laughs> Ten episodes of this. I'm right. Oh. Yeah. Hey, they tricked me, too. I thought I was going to be doing some punching, but no, I was just taking Yeah, yeah Just ru- running and <laughs> throwing. <laughs> Getting punched. Yep. Yeah, you helped shape this world, this very specific tone. The whole feeling of this feels, in that way, Stranger Things, it's a setting, but also the world you dive into. It doesn't feel like it's nodding to. It feels like it's actually made in. And that's a really hard line to walk. When you were in pre-production on this, how did you start to flavor that? Well, um, we I came to it as a fan of the comic book. Uh, and Sony actually partnered Rick and I together. And, and now we, we run the show together. And it really just came, you know, primarily as the source material from the comic book. It wasn't about trying to figure out how to improve it. It was just trying to figure out how to bring that to life, bring it to the screen. Uh, as soon as we saw them, it was like, oh, those are the those are the people from the comic book. They're just the living, you know, embodiment of those characters that Rick and Wes created. Um, so our job was just not to fuck up something that was already great. Yeah, and, and so rare to have a showrunner be a creator of a comic. It's, it's damn near unheard of. So having that, I mean, it's literally his mind, and now you get to sit yep. next to him and see what his mind is going to translate. <laughs> now, you lived through at least you know some of the 80s where this music was coming to play, whereas you guys got to live through it in hindsight. You got to rediscover it. Mm-hmm. What was it like shaping, for example, the music from childhood and using it as a, a new modern element to the story well this is like the back and forth that rick always has because i'm technically a millennial mm. even though I, I i consider myself in the in between the two generations i was born in 88 i counted um, i'm an 80 he does kid. not he does not claim me but i would, <laughs> he wouldn't but rick and i went to see a, a bad religion concert and i walked out of there and i was like oh my god you guys had it so much better than us because you guys got bad religion and we got the offspring it was not fair at all we got 311 um so it's it's really been a joy to kind of uh, we got justin bieber yeah it's it's been it's been an education because i think you know i was i was in a different scene growing up and uh and just listening to all the cuts from Rick's childhood has mm-hmm. has been amazing. And then you fall in love with new stuff. And we hope that the show exposes a new audience to all that different music from that time. Yeah, the three of you fallen into more of that scene. Have you have you dove into Absolutely. the '80s music world? And like, Top Gun is my still. I work out Top Gun. The Dead Milkman, I love him. <laughs> Dude, Black Flag. You guys got Henry Rollins on oh, sets. That's, that's, that's true. Really cool. That is like true. he's your Snape. Like which I love. That's exactly. <laughs> what you're saying. Yes. 
Oh, well done. Right? Yes. And Benedict Wong Great is dialogue. definitely Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, there's oh, a lot, guys. That's right. Come on. It's yes. a beautiful thing. Yes. But yeah, we, we had to dive in a lot. We had playlists, and that was really cool. And my playlist, I felt, was the most different, but it had to be because somebody who looks like me in the 80s probably wouldn't be listening to Black Flag. Mm-hmm. They'd be listening to... Uh, Black would be used to describe all the things that they're listening to. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I went back. I studied Run DMC, Eric B. and Rakim. A lot of a lot of the it's like second generation hip hop, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, because that was really important to young African American men back then. And that that to me is how I shaped the way Willie speaks. Willie speaks a certain way because he listens to a certain type of music, and that was so much fun for me. So I loved it, and I still be kicking it with a, a bunch of different tunes that I I discovered over the show. I've really been into the roots lately. The roots are fire, man. Black Thought, ooh. Black Thought, ooh, he just good. I heard him mm, back there. I love it. Black Thought is fire. Everyone watching this, take notes, because this is really important. Anything you listen to today, whatever genre it is, this is the foundation of a lot of important music that you need to discover. And that's one thing about the show that I really appreciate is it's not just surface tracks. Like, there's plenty of pop punk stuff. There's plenty of pop stuff. But there's some deep cut music use. So were you guys playing, like, music on set? Did you discover music while you were actually filming? Um, yeah, yeah. Some of the directors were playing music on set, like during this during the scenes. I, I, I know, um, like the scene with Marie and Marcus when they hook up. That song was actually played when we were doing that scene, which helped out a lot. Um, but I wasn't really like searching for a lot of new music when we were shooting. Now this is a spoiler light, but there's a bit of a love triangle with you. And I'm curious, with that ramping up near the season finale, what it was like to work on those scenes and how to play those levels. Because one, love story is hard enough with you know friction and chemistry. Two, plus impending doom <laughs> is even more. What are those stakes like as an actor? Um, I mean, man, it's just really fun. <laughs> I can't complain. I can't there are complain. worse jobs. There are worse it's jobs. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you just say the words and you, you try yeah. to enjoy the moment, man. Yeah. That's really cool. It's something I'm really proud of because I really feel like... The way that the writing is, it just doesn't seem like that high school drama nonsense. Yeah. It seems like it's all life and death because it really is in this show. <laughs> yeah. So, so and so being involved with so and so, it ain't just some stuff and stuff. It's really important. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this. I'm like, goodness gracious, man. You better watch where you put in your hands. And as the show <laughs> evolves, like the stakes get real. Certain characters die you don't expect to. Like right. it, it evolves in a way that it twists and turns your. Wanting to watch more, you're wanting to keep going. Were you guys surprised when you got scripts week to week, or, or when you were handing out the scripts? Did you did you receive any moments of like, whoa, 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 is this this is the end of a certain thing? Sometimes we got emails of like, what? <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a lot of them they had read the comic books, so they knew a lot of the big. You know, we stuck very closely to those kind of big uh, ten pole moments from the comic book. So he knew the what was coming. We won't do any spoilers, but but you sure. knew that scene was coming. It had to come. Uh oh. Now the yeah. season finale is tonight, and I got to know it's been a crazy ten week ride. How has each of your lives changed since this show started coming out? What's what's something that's different from eleven weeks ago? Well, for me, yeah, and you talked about being an actor before. Auditioning feels a little different, and it's not because they know me. Uh, because they might not, you know, our show is very popular, but not everybody watches everything. But I'll go into auditions and feel confident because I have experience. Mm -hmm. And I never really knew what that meant until you work a little bit. (laughs) It's like, well, I kind of know what I'm doing now, kind of. And that feels nice. So that was a big thing that changed artistically for me. And another thing is the fact that, like, I'm on something cool. And I got pride. I got deadly class pride. 
It's one thing if somebody doesn't like our show, but I feel like if somebody says, that show's bad, it has a poor, poorly written script, the acting's not that good, and the cinematography is just meh. I'm, you're wrong. Like, objectively, you're, you're incorrect. You cannot say that that is the case. And be, you can't say that and be right. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. Luke, Luke, is, our, Luke is our publicist. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, good one. Are the hard, hard questions, it's, it's to him. Yeah, well I mean, same for me. When, when it comes to being in the room for auditions, I'm, just, I'm more confident. Um, but I, I made the move. I moved here to L.A. from Houston, Texas. You know, it's... Hell it's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been kind of a hermit since the seasons come out, but I mean, just the fact that some few people have like recognized me from the show—that's yeah, cool. that's crazy. These people are watching. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you guys are on billboards all over yeah. town. Like the, that, that, that first like, push <laughs> yeah. was crazy. I mean, yeah, yeah these are your faces. Yep. Yeah. If you, if you wore that bandaid, you would really get recognized. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, guys are going to be you for Halloween. I'm just saying. That's, that's a life change. Wow. It's, it's, it's coming. Because Deadly Class, it, it, for me, Deadly Class was one of those indies that broke through the mainstream, but it still felt indie. And I really mm-hmm. like that the show feels that way, too. When you were shaping the show, obviously you had the man's mind right next to you. Was that an intentional uh, – did you make sure to play the level so it still felt – like the heart of the show is there, but also that independent spirit is a really hard line to walk for movies or TV. Yeah, I mean, I, it's baked into the fabric of what this thing is. Rick is always saying that it's a strange chocolate and peanut butter mix that we have here. That's exactly uh, what we got going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was always the intent to try to maintain that through this process, which is a really hard thing to do when you go through development. Rick and I were uh, working on the pilot for... I want to say like two years or something like that and then it's another six months until you you start the the season and then that's another year so we're actually just finished we just finished on tuesday the final mix so we haven't we haven't actually got past the like oh how is your life different we've just finished you know (laughs) that's incredible Um, but yeah it was always the intent to make sure that the thing that we loved coming in was was maintained now the show is dark it's it's about mercenaries it's violent it leans all the way in there's sex there's drug there's literal rock and roll and we talked right before air uh how are your parents experiencing this because you guys are are fresh out of you know it's My mom likes the Umbrella Academy more. <laughs> um, and my dad My mom the room. doesn't like the Umbrella Academy more. Good. That's a good she mom. She said it's fine, but she likes prefers Deadly Class. I, I, I agree with her. Yeah, man. My family family, they, they understand what it is. So they're... And I grew up Baptist in the church. And they're watching the show. Because they understand that it's about the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I think people might forget that. This show is about mercenaries. Yeah. It's not about the good ones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Marcus is our hero, but... Hero is a relative term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my family, like my family in L.A., my brothers, I call them, my roommates, they dig it. They really, they, oh, man, they love a lot of the stuff that you guys worked on on the script. And one of their favorite parts of the show is the cinematography. And that's, that's kind of what I meant. Like, it's just good. It's well done. That's... How you do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm proud. I'm really proud. Yeah. I, I did a power through rewatch before this interview, and it's, it's one of the few shows that you can rewatch on mute or rewatch loud. If you've already seen it, there's so much going on in the frame. A lot of storytelling is done in silence, and then you're obviously augmented with the dialogue, but it's a visually comic book show. Mm-hmm. And we're getting to the point where like budget restrictions are less because of the things we can do for a little like digital versus film, yeah. like things that are changing. But this show was one of the first that I was like, oh, they found a comic book, and they made it, and they used the storyboards of the comic. You guys reading it going into it makes me so happy because this is a comic book show. But how much have you guys picked up on like the mainstream? Do you watch comic movies differently now that you've been in a comic book show? Absolutely. 
there are some times when I see a pose or something <laughs> and I go, I wonder if they got that from some. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and that excites me. Yeah. And then also, I can understand why comic fans are some of the most bitter fans ever. <laughs> because yeah. sometimes I'll see that. I'm like, what are you doing? You just made that up. <laughs> and it's not about, that's not like the comics. It's, did you read them? And that's what the fans are saying. So mm-hmm. now that I, I know a bit of that world a little bit more, I do watch comic movies very differently. Have you gotten more involved in the comic world? You pick anything up that you're you're liking more now? No, no, not really. I mean, I've been, I've been a bit of a hermit, like I said, before, after <laughs> the season. I've I've just been playing Legend of Zelda all day, every day. Know, bro. <laughs> Did you beat Ganon yet? You beat him? I haven't. No, ah, I've been bro. waiting. You I want to get all the side only. quests. Video <laughs> games and comics, that Venn diagram. As long as you're doing something nerdy, you're part right. of the yeah. comic world. That totally <laughs> plays. That counts. Uh, are you reading anything fun now? Uh, I'm just going back to reading books. Like, I haven't picked up a book <laughs> oh, in wow. forever <laughs> and just sat there and been like, I'm going to read this and not think about anything but just being entertained. So I actually got to sit down and, and read a book over my vacation, which That's was nice. <laughs> um, but I have a big stack of comics that I, I have to look at uh, coming up. So I'm excited to dig into all the new stuff. And you guys have a beautiful connection that very few people in the world do. The Russo brothers helped bring this show to life. And the Russo brothers may have also brought some stuff I love the life alongside that the class the infinity everything right saga war yep. everything yep. what was that like working with the russos like how how hands-on were they like you know not not too many details but how are the russos well miles would know more than us we got to meet them one time but mm-hmm. they're they're as dope as they seem yes yeah yes absolutely mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're extremely involved. A lot of times when you get into these uh, television packages, you'll get big-name producers, and they'll just kind of put their name on something, and then you're in charge of figuring it out. But that's not at all how they operate. You know, they were involved in everything from casting to editing. Uh, at the start of the year, you know, Joe was in the editing room with Rick and I until midnight every night, you know, making sure that the episodes came out and were perfect and were exactly, you know, what we wanted. The action was all popping. So they're extremely invested in the show, which has been amazing. The, the, the Comic-Con push when we heard Russo Brothers comic book show, mm-hmm. the, the, the beautiful tie-in, like the world got excited. The comic world got excited because those trailers with you guys were great. Like you guys were spearheading these trailers. The show had this flash and crazy energy that we hadn't seen before. What's Something from set that none of us would have seen. What was your, what's your favorite memory from season one of working day to day? We had a lot of good ones. Yeah. Well, I will say just because he's here, like I was, <laughs> I was a roommate with this dude. We shared the same crib, and just every night we would have to tell ourselves to go to bed because we'd be talking about some deep stuff. Like there's no small talk when you're talking with Ben. He's as pensive and deep as Marcus. So, like, we'd be up playing Spider-Man. Yeah, dude, you know, sometimes I think philosophically, like, what are we talking about? (laughs) Just getting to know each other and thinking about life. And that, to me, like, it reminds me of when I used to play football. Some of my favorite memories were for the locker room, not just on the field. And I enjoyed spending time with this, too. You said? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's pretty much what it was, just being in the green room and having and getting to know the cast more. Yeah. Like, how they thought about the world. It was it was it was really fun and interesting because you know we would we would have philosophical philosophical conversations or you know conversations about farts. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> but it was still fun because <laughs> Marcus interacts with everybody. Marcus is is the the point of view of a lot of the audience and it's the guy you have to be most empathetic towards. What was building those relationships like? Because it's a true ensemble. Like for for you diving in day one versus day one hundred, what was building those bonds with your castmates like? I mean. 
it, it was just it was just talking because I was it was there every day and we understood we had a job to do and we were all kind of tired, but um, yeah. just just talking and being excited about the work and doing our jobs. You got too close with everyone too quickly, though. That's true, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Miles thought. In, yeah. the, in the pilot, we were like, all right, the, you guys are already You're acting like best friends. You hate each other right now. Yeah. And you don't know like, each they other. They were yet. like, but we're such good friends in real life. And uh, we would be like, no, 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 but not in the scene. <laughs> yeah. Add tension, hate yeah. each other, just right. for five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Okay, cut. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was really fun, yeah. I really well, during the that. pilot, like we we understood that there wasn't much time. Like Lana had... Lana was the last to be casted. Oh, that's true. And yeah. that was like, what, a week before we started yeah, shooting? Wow. So we understood that we had to have the connection, the chemistry, because we had very little time. Mm-hmm. Now, my favorite thing about the show is the pace. Uh, I love the editing. Along with the choreography, the editing really allows that comic book flavor to really pop and go with it. Uh, you guys, I mean, it's a TV show, so the directing style changes throughout, but the mm-hmm. pace always felt, you know, really intense. Was the shooting pace intense, or did you guys kind of have some time to breathe with sci fi? I never really felt rushed, but then again, the I didn't. Man. I didn't work as as many hours as as Ben did. Ben would work. He would come. I barely even see Ben. We lived <laughs> in the same place. I would be asleep when he got home, and asleep when he went to work. I was I was cold chilling, but this dude was working real hard. From from the showrunning standpoint, did that did that kinetic was, pace translate it, to it, your side? Yes, it was <laughs> it was a very very intense pace. Um, there was at one point where Rick and I looked at each other, and all ten episodes were going at the same time in different states. Jesus, and we were like, "Oh my god, how are we going to do this?" <laughs> um, but yeah, it was everyone was incredibly professional. These guys like just came and did their jobs. They're they are definitely seasoned beyond their years. You know, when Ben started on the show, he just turned 18 and it was like all right you have to carry a tv show now and he's done an exceptional job you can't legally buy booze yet but that's a billboard above a liquor store (laughs) don't worry about it so we started filming the rest of the season i was 19 so it was good 19 in vancouver yeah Yeah, the canada's a little more lax in those live shows the show (laughs) is incredible guys i love the pace i love the energy i love the choreography i love that you guys brought so much of the comic book to life i love that rick remender you brought the comic book to life this is truly as bright and vibrant as these posters allow it to be so thank you so much for joining us if you guys haven't watched Deadly class the finale is tonight it is one of the most impulsive innovative and imaginative shows on tv i am very happy sci-fi dove in all the way thank you guys so much for joining us thank you thank you you for having us So the Deadly Class class themselves are as insane as the show is. It sounds like set is nuts. The showrunner was rad. But we also recorded an audio commentary for Into the Spider-Verse, the best picture of 2018 in my heart, which you can check out right now. And I got to say, me and Amy are both going to be at WonderCon next week, so definitely hunt us down. But for now, we have some minor mutations for you guys. We do! And I can't wait to get into this first one, which, like, oh, go on this journey with me. We're getting a new draft of the Flash movie. And that draft is written by Ezra Miller. And you don't think it can get weirder, but it can. With Grant Morrison? What is happening? And we'll get into it. We also, as of today, right now, any other week, this would have been a major story. But, you know, Avengers trailer came out and James Gunn. As of right now, this moment, Fox and Marvel are officially part of the Disney hub as one. The merger has happened. Years in the making. We'll talk about it. Uh, and speaking of things can, going continuing into the future, Segway fail. We've got seven <laughs> or eight years planned out for Spidey, we're hearing from Sony, in movies and TV. In the world of DC, Shazam! 
is screening two weeks early because they're confident, and I wouldn't know anything about how amazing this movie is or suggest that you might see it immediately. Perhaps go to the first screening you can because it's spectacular, but I wouldn't know anything about that. He would not. Uh, We also got a really intriguing quote this week. The uh, Doctor Doom movie from Noah Hawley, which we all basically gave up on a while ago because it looked like a lot of things were changing behind the scenes and all that this. So it's not on the schedule, but the quote we got this week means it's also not out of the question. We also evolved in the world of Shang-Chi because it officially has a director. Shang-Chi as a writer has a director. It is moving forward. Marvel's going to get crazy. Yes! Uh, And we got Lex Luthor this week on Supergirl played apparently very charmingly by John Cryer. Intrigue. Now, as our guest, sir, of those news stories, what leapt out at you? Oh, man, I want to, I guess I just want to talk about The Flash only because someone brought this up and I already have some preloaded thoughts on it. Excellent, um, go. One, I think it's very dangerous to have, like, someone who's the lead writing the movie because, especially <laughs> when it's based off of a source material, like, if you're writing your movie and telling your story, that's great. But when you're like, I want to write it, it sounds like it's, it's really, there's just a conflict of interest there. You're going to mm. want to make yourself the coolest. You're not going to want to tell the best story. Then you add in Grant Morrison, and I was like, I don't know what to expect anymore. (laughs) You know, at that point when it was just him, I was like, I don't know about this. Grant Morrison, he's pretty great, and it would be nice to have someone in there who's like, no, that wouldn't work. No, that's my Grant Morrison. (laughs) This this is more Scottish, though. Hold on. No. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, there, a lot of folks wear multiple hats. A lot of folks have different talents. And a weird example, but like Emma Thompson wrote the adaptation of Sense and Sensibility that she starred in and I think got nominated for an Oscar for yeah. it. Um, so people have pulled this off, but it is a very strange move. Uh, it is a, a surprise, especially because we had heard that Flash was sort of going well in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. had finally attached a team that looked like they were sticking. Uh, and... Uh, they have said that they are looking in maybe a darker direction with the Ezra Morrison take, and I don't know that I don't know that I want that. Yeah, that's not Flash. That was another thing that I kind of bucked against because I DC is really kind of shaping up with Shazam and you know love it or hate it Aquaman. They all have different flavors, and I was talking about that's. One of the very many reasons Suicide Squad 1 failed. You can't have a dark movie set in a dark universe because there, it's not that, it doesn't have its bite because you're just like, oh yeah, but Batman vs. Superman was dark. Dark Knight was dark. What's so dark about this Suicide Squad? It, it just seems, and that's why it came off kind of hokey. But if you have like, a dark movie against a Shazam, a Aquaman, a fun Flash, mm-hmm. then it, it does have that bite, and you're like, ooh, this is spicy. So I got some thoughts, because 15 years ago, Coy would have been like, the guy that's in the movie loves it so much he wants to write it, and then this guy that writes comics wants to write it, like my super optimistic, yeah. my Barry Allen side, would have wanted <laughs> the movie to do well because of all the pieces being that thing, but my Barry Allen side wants a Barry Allen movie. I want an optimistic movie. I want a movie where the Flash is the guy that does what's right because it's right. I want a Flash that's making quips, not as much as Wally West, but making quips and doing his Flash thing, and I love the Flash TV show. I love that show. So to me, I have a very high bar with Flash. It's a character that has an established live-action world that I set a precedent to. So when you add all of the ingredients of the Flash show, and then you say darker, and 
then you add a conflict of interest, and then you add Grant Morrison, who I love as a writer. Grant Morrison fixed the X-Men for me, and the X-Men are my boys. Like, Grant Morrison does a lot right. His Green Lantern run right now is incredible. Grant Morrison's great, but his sensibility is very, like, acid trip space cosmic when I think about him as broad strokes, very broad strokes. And The Flash adding Darker, plus Grant Morrison, plus Flash, and then the Date Night team, who I thought made an incredible comedy. When I was excited for the Date Night comedy, I was in. And then you add these other elements, it sounds like literally three different types of movies. And that's the issue. If it was just Grant Morrison, yes. Just Date Night, yes. Maybe, but like, it's a lot. Here's the thing for me. Like, yes, what you're saying about sort of, these signals seem to all sort of cross each other. That is sort of a like, I don't know, kind of uh, result mostly. Except somehow throwing Grant Morrison into that mix instantly makes it a, hey, if they go with this, I I am their minute one. Sure, You're sure, telling sure. me Grant Morrison, legendary comic book writer, is working on a Flash movie. Like, there's no universe where I'm not lining up for that. Oh, I'm, I'm there. And that's yeah. the thing with DC is they've turned like Shazam into this powerhouse character maybe and I really think Aquaman was beloved by so many people it made over a billion dollars can we stop dollars. not mentioning Wonder Woman in the I, DC oh, Renaissance I, I was going backwards oh, uh, fair so, enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so then they did that with that and then they also Wonder Woman redefined an entire genre for me mm-hmm. and the way Wonder Woman shaped up was it, it, it to me was the universe I wanted all of DC to live in and then they surprised me by going Aquaman 2 and then they surprised me by going Shazam so Wonder Woman's like here's the new norm and then they were like over here over here <laughs> so what I, what I was going to say was that Flash might be able to do that to me again what my optimistic side is like since they've shown me all of this this growth in these insane separate universes because Wonder Woman feels nothing like Aquaman feels nothing like Shazam if Flash is the new standard of this type I'm in but I need to see more than just these three names that don't seem to coalesce yeah. and that's my concern um, also I'm kidding I'm not the one Woman police. I just like excuses to bring it up. I was going backwards chronologically. I was going to get there, I promise, because I like Wonder Woman. Uh, But this week's news, that would have been a lead story if not for the fact that two other giant things happened. Also, in the world of lead stories, I got to talk about Spider-Man. Is that okay to talk about Spider-Man? Do Spider-Man about Spider-Man. Seven or eight years of Spider-Man content has already been schemed. And in the world of Spider-Man, the way they're shaping up, Spider-Verse is such a dense, plot-driven, holy crap, world-building, almost perfect, I'm going to say perfect, hyperbolic or what? It's an A+. It's 100. (laughs) If they have that kind of brain trust behind Spider-Man, you're going to say I get almost a decade of plotting out now that they can keep adding to, and Spider-Man's rogues gallery is up there with Batman's. Like, two of the best, in my my opinion. So, the world-building they can go from there, and love or hate Venom, it felt nothing like any other superhero movie. You might see that as a... That you've seen in the last ten years. Yes, agreed. Agreed. (laughs) But, with the technology of today and the weird 90s that it was, it's a very different film. So, if they want to make weird choices and make a billion dollars, but still keep the integrity of Spider-Man separate, that's, once again, getting your cake and eating it too, the theme of this episode. And they have video game, movie, TV plans. If that all ties together, like we always wanted the Netflix universe to tie into the MCU, if we finally get a shared universe of TV, film, and video game, I think it's completely worth Sony having the rights to Spider-Man over here. See, my, my heart still hurts a bit because this is the this is the week that the Marvel Fox deal is final. And the, the one uh, indisputably joyous part of that for me is that most of the Marvel characters are back home in the same place. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of other wider industry implications as we've talked about many times but the one part of it that is a pure win for me is like oh thank god the x-men and the ff and the avengers all live together again uh except that there's that like the flaw in that diamond of happiness is that like (laughs) spider-man is still over there and we get to visit him um but but i can't also be sad about it because spider-verse was the best movie ever and the spider-man game was amazing and so i am probably on board for all of these plans it's just that one little flaw but we still get shared Tom Holland. Tom Holland gets to go, hey guys, and play in both sandboxes. And he Uh, deserves that. 
Yeah, that I, I I think that's great because you just set my tinfoil hat off. You know, <laughs> because like you know, I, I've said this before. I said this with Koi when we were uh, when you were on Nerdificent. But hey, everybody subscribe to Nerdificent. <laughs> but you, we just know that the merger happened. But they they had to have known this was oh, going yeah. through for a mm-hmm. while. And what? How much would our minds blow if? The person giving them this, those suits were, was Reed Richards. Uh, <laughs> John Krasinski imagine, shows up as Reed you Richards. Imagine if it's like I found this guy. He's he's, he's lost. He lost his family in the snap, <laughs> and it's just Reed Richards. Oh, the rest of the Fantastic Four, or, or there's no one there, and just slowly appearing, and then Sue Storm. Ooh, invisible. Becoming visible. I'm willing for it to eyes. be Sue Storm and then Reed and the, uh, the, the boys are, are gone. They got like, Help me find my family. Oh, <laughs> and then we go to space. Boom. Cosmic movie. Oh. Flashback. Have the origin story. It's all possible because Spider Man, we heard about it and then he was already cast. Like Spider Man, that whole thing happened quick. There's no way that all that screen testing yeah. is done within those. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it happened quick. So it's totally possible. I do, and I'm going to go on record now. I'm terrified for the jobs lost. There are negative implications. This is not the show to talk about the real. <laughs> world this is, this is where we heroes. get the good news this is where we can look at shiny objects and go yay so we're gonna stick to yay because we do get our x-men back we do get our fantastic four yeah. back other implications are for other shows we can tweet about it but in this <laughs> world on this chair i'm gonna be stoked and on this chair i'm gonna say things are moving quick and i'm gonna say yay uh, yeah. and i think spider-man its own little universe totally works uh, of this week's news what what jumps out of you let's see uh again this would have been a major story on an on a, an ordinary week but shang chi has a director yes uh, shang chi master of kung fu is moving forward at Marvel, they're not talking much about those all these next whatever universe we're in when that movie gets here. Um, that team is shaping up, uh, and it makes me very excited because the writer of that worked on the next Wonder Woman movie. And uh, as you know, I like excuses to mention Wonder Woman. Yeah. So it's all good. It, everything's coming up, Amy, in that respect. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that announcement. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with that movie. How they're going to treat the source material in the era that it comes from, which is like the big boom from the early 70s where everybody got super obsessed with Bruce Lee, as we all should have been. Uh, not that I was there, but I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that I would have had a poster up. Uh, and, yeah, so I'm excited for that movie. And then this this weirdness with the Doctor Doom movie where apparently the, the thing behind that is that some point in the recent past, Kevin Feige casually asked Noah Hawley, you still working on that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the Fantastic Four doesn't get introduced in Black Panther, doesn't get introduced in the MCU, gets introduced by way of their villain as the lead? I wouldn't be mad about it, but I probably wouldn't be. A Doctor Doom movie that is so good, they're like, oh, who is he fighting? And then the Fantastic Four are the supporting characters? Because if there's ever a guy that can write that, it's Noah Hawley. Legion is brilliant. Everything he's done is brilliant. Fargo is brilliant. And the Netflix universe is so strong because Kingpin's as important as Daredevil. If you give me a Doctor do movie and you're like oh these foils of mine this family give me that movie like yeah. and if that's how kevin foggy wants to do it yes oh man i'm so hyped and we got a brief i don't know man I think, I think it could work. Uh, before we move on to comics, I want to briefly say uh, Lex Luthor did debut on Supergirl this week, and Michael Rosenbaum, who's my Lex Luthor, gave his seal of approval. Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville is the bar for me, so him saying it was good works for me. And finally, Shazam is screening two weeks early. Fandango has screenings. If they're not already sold out in your neighborhood, you should go. Get on Fandango. Look this movie up. It may or may not be absolutely spectacular. Coy would not know because he is not reviewing the film. I don't know what you're talking about, but I do know we have comics this week. Let's go through our comic pull list. A comic book pull list. 
and you want to start with the very top that we both put on our list this week? Both of our number ones this week are <laughs> Spider-Man Life Story number one. We're going to talk about why in just a moment. Next up, another number one introduces you to a universe that you need to get familiar with. Uh, a new beginning, a great point to jump on to Lazarus with Lazarus Risen, number one from Image. Number three, we have a most surprising book to make a pull list in a long time. I cannot wait to explain myself here. Age of X-Man Amazing Nightcrawler number two. Heck the title yeah. is as long as the book is good. <laughs> Invisible Kingdom number one, which I have been waiting for for ages from Christian Ward and G. Willow Wilson, also from Image this week. And Batman number 67 closes this out. Just look at that cover. This book is going to be insane. I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, what, what, what are yours? Because we both picked Spider-Man. I think we should start with our boy there. We did. It just looks like a really cool project. They are doing a life story of Spider-Man that reflects uh, the historical decades of which, he, if, if let's say he'd actually been the age he was when the comics came out, they're carrying it forward. So it's either going to be really great and depressing or really sad and depressing. But we'll find out. Time actually passes in this book. And that's fascinating to me because comics live in this bubble where Spider-Man's been 16 or 24 for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited just to see. Never getting it's just not moving. So at one point, Straczynski made him like 30-something as a teacher. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I'm excited to see what Spider-Man from the 60s, 70s, as he aged, what the world reflected. And I think this is a really novel way to tell a story of a character that's existed for 60 years because you run out of stories. So this is an all-new take. And I'm, I think it's a brilliant idea. And if it does well, I guarantee it's going to be the Old Man Logan thing. We've got Old Man Logan, Old Man Hawkeye, Old Man Star-Lord. If this does well, we're going to get like X-Men through the years. We're going to yeah. get like all the... I mean, can you even imagine? Captain yeah. America life story is just modern history. Two oh, issues yeah. are just black. He's frozen in ice. It's Aww. just... <laughs> I know. It's, what's great, too, is like, I mean, that's... The stories like this are kind of what made me... I used to be the biggest Superman hater. And I, <laughs> then I read All-Star Superman. Aww. And when you can see the mortality of these heroes, mm-hmm. it, it shows you them in a new life. Uh, new light. So, like, I would be excited to see, like, you know, the life story of all these different, you know, life story of Iron Man, life yeah. story of Cap. Like, what, what in this universe that we're creating what happens when they do pass on because we already have enough heroes that they can pass the torch to so that part's already built in so let's see that kind of Batman Beyond-esque training montage. And And nice shout out to uh, All-Star Superman there with our boy Grant Morrison who proves in that book that he's capable of being dark and weird and wacky but also doing this light beautiful thing. That's the thing that makes me like he could totally write a Flash movie. Yeah and and I do I I love your optimistic maintenance. I I just (laughs) so many cooks so many cooks uh, I want to talk about the number three. Actually, no, you do your number two. No, no, no. Um, so, okay, I'll just pair two and four because they are both rad sci-fi books with number ones you can catch this week. Invisible Kingdom is brand new. Uh, G. Willow Wilson, you know, from co-creating Ms. Marvel. She's writing Wonder Woman right now. She is a genius. I've been following her since one of her Vertigo books years, years back. Uh, so, very excited to see what she's doing in the creator-owned world. And Lazarus is Greg Rucka's near-future oh, dystopia. It is tough to read because it is like, oh, so giant family slash corporations have divided America up and are ruling it tyrannically and going to war with each other, which a few years ago was a little less scary. And now it just feels like, oh, cool, yeah, the news. Um, But it's an amazing, it's about an immortal sort of super soldier uh, who, like, is a family guardian. So if you start at the beginning of the Lazarus story, she kind of has to find out like that the people who she considers her family are maybe not the awesome, shiny, happy people that she thinks. Uh, And we've got a new beginning right now. Lazarus Risen is out this week. Pick up both of these. Age of X-Men. 
Now, I want you to paint a picture. I'm going to paint a picture real quick. Now, in the 90s, X-Men were at the height of their powers. In the 90s, they had a TV show. They were not yet in mutant movies that were almost X-Men movies. They were running the game, and their continuity was a mess. But they kept having event books, and every so often, one of those event books was amazing, so much so that it changed the whole Marvel zeitgeist. For me, Age of X-Men is not just a great way to bring back Cyclops, which they're doing incredibly. It is one of the best outside continuity in continuity, because that's what X-Men do, event books in years. Age of X-Men is a new environment that feels very much like Age of Apocalypse, which is so much fun if you like 90s comics, like Wolverine lost his hand, it's a whole thing. But if you like that weird, surreal reality, Age of X-Men reminds me of the 90s books in the best way. And in this particular story, X-Men are in charge, they're running the game, mutants are, are love, mutants are celebrity, and in this case, Nightcrawler is the most <laughs> famous movie star of all time. So imagine X-Men, but there's also weird subplots, like there's no love, there's no human connection, human connection's not allowed, everyone's in like a hive. So it's this alternate future that's dystopian, but also positive, and it's fascinating because they build a world in no time, and in this one, this title, Nightcrawler's basically Brad Pitt. And you're not just living an X-Men world, you're living set life, so it's like the best of behind-the-scenes on movies that you love meets Nightcrawler that you love, all alternate and alternate reality and it all ties into a giant event book I'm loving every single Age of X-Men title I'm loving this one especially because movies are my life and Nightcrawler's finally swashbuckling Nightcrawler's finally getting some time to shine it's, so it's it's amazing fascinating here because this book is being written by Shauna McGuire who is like a wildly best-selling novelist uh, oh, no who way. comes from like regular books um, but it turns out was just a giant X-Men head like uh, <laughs> and so she has come to comics in the last year uh, mm-hmm. she's actually writing Spider-Gwen right now she wrote in the X-Men annual last year and like it's super adorable because she's like she can go back to the rest of she's still doing the rest of her career but she's also like overjoyed to be doing this she flew back to her home childhood uh, uh, comic book store because basically she was like look when I was 10 I told you I would do a signing here when I grew up and wrote comics oh, that's and the amazing. same people work there and are like yeah we're hosting a signing with best selling author Shauna McGuire for her <laughs> X-Men issue she went back to San Francisco to that store to sign her annual when it came out so this is amazing to see that it's just like alright what's next Shauna? More reasons yeah. to support this book pick up this book check out Age of X-Men especially if you've been out of X-Men for a long time and our last book in this pull list is Batman 67 because it's Tom King returning to the book after a couple issues off while they were doing a Flash crossover and it's uh, the Nightmares K Nightmares uh, storyline continues and I love the cover it is Lee Weeks on art and cover. So, Lee Weeks is amazing. I knew you'd like this pull. Tom King, Lee Weeks is a great duo, especially on a Batman book. This book is crazy. But before we leave comics, what are you reading right now, man? Oh, man. I've, I've abandoned comics for a hot <laughs> sec. Well, what's I've one been, that you that people need to get hit What's to? your pull list? Oh, my gosh. All my pull lists are just going to be old stuff that like I'm definitely going to... Oh, I've been, I've been championing this since Black Panther came out. But if you haven't yet, go back and read uh, Most Dangerous Man Alive, Black Panther. It's right after the events of Shadowland, which go ahead and read that too. <laughs> it was like it was what I was hoping the new season of Daredevil was going to be, based on all the promo. Which uh, it was uh, Daredevil thinks that he can control the hand to keep Hell's Kitchen safe, and you know how that usually goes in every story. And now it's up to the heroes for hire to stop him. And so after the events of that, uh, you know I don't want to spoil that, but to watch over Hell's Kitchen, you have. Uh, T'Challa, who just recently got off of the Doom War, mm-hmm. and uh, and now Shuri is the b- powered Black Panther. He has no powers, and he's like just 
running like a restaurant in Hell's Kitchen while also by night being Black Panther. It's very cool. It, it ran for so long and then it stopped and I got real bitter uh, about comics. I, <laughs> I, was, I, I mean, I someone got mad at me because I blamed everyone for uh, who was hyped about Black Panther. I was like, but you weren't reading when I was reading and you got it canceled. Uh, but, uh, there was yeah. some uh, Francesco Francovia art on that, I think. Yeah. That yeah, beautiful yeah. noir. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So you just so delivered your pull list and said why you're currently up to date. I like yeah. that you're like, your explanation was also your pull list. Like, no, no comics, but also... Still this. mad about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, comics are great again. I've been meaning to jump in. I've been buying trades. Like, I'm still following Saga. Heck yeah. You know, uh, went back. Uh, so I'm bouncing around different stuff. Definitely reading mangas. Went and got the... They just released uh, not too long ago on Amazon two books for the de- original Devilman manga. Uh, so if you like Devilman Crybaby, uh, go watch... You can grab the two original hardback thick books um and and yeah i've just oh actually uh what was it was it was a skybound i i I fell behind just because of work but it was uh a kind of like a post-apocalyptic one you'll let me know if you know this one i forget the name it's so good but it's a guy who uh there's two dimensions and this dimension just smack dabbed in our world and he 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 lost his family in Mm -hmm. the other dimension he keeps hopping back Uh, is it revolver no. No, that was the one from a few years ago. Yeah, it, this one just dropped. It, okay, it dropped last We'll tweet year. it when we know. Yeah, yeah. Skybound's fantastic. Their whole world is great. And I and I second Shadowland because anytime a guy in a red suit puts on a black suit gets really angsty and oh, goes yeah. around New York terrorizing people, it's kind of a book I oh, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is a great set of books from back in the day. And currently this Heck week's yeah. polls are yeah. incredible. And this week we do not have time for Twitter questions because all of the news ever broke on Thursday. <laughs> so it was a week of six days of us twitching to get all of that to you. Uh, this week was crazy in news. And we're so glad you could join us for this yeah, crazy yeah. news. Thanks for watching, y'all. Thank you so much for being yeah, yeah. here, Ify. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Ify Wadiway on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, watch, uh, listen to Nerdificent on Tuesdays, Candy Dinner on Mondays, and um, Ifdee's on Twitch. Uh, I F D E Easy. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And we are only three weeks from our anniversary 300 issue, and we're only one week from it being April, where you get Shazam, Hellboy, and Avengers. Life is very good for nerds, folks. Thank you all much for joining us, and until next yeah. week, stay, stay sweaty. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From negative to positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you want that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.